Section twenty five of Great Epochs in American History, Volume three. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Great Epochs in American History, Volume three. The French War and the Revolution, seventeen forty five to seventeen eighty two, by Francis Whiting Halsey. Section twenty five. Arnold's Treason, seventeen eighty by william e h lecky in september seventeen eighty a terrible shock was given to the confidence of their army by the discovery of the treachery of benedict arnold to any one who attentively follows the letters of washington it will appear evident that there was no officer in the american army of whom for a long period he wrote in terms of higher warmer and more frequent eulogy arnold was in truth an eminently brave and skilful soldier and in the early stages of the struggle his services had been of the most distinguished kind in conjunction with colonel allen he had obtained the first great success of the war by capturing ticonderoga and crown point in the summer of seventeen seventy five he had fallen wounded leading the forlorn hope against quebec on the memorable day on which montgomery was killed in the gallant stand that was made at ticonderoga in october seventeen seventy six he had been placed at the head of the american fleet and his defence of lake champlain against overwhelming odds had been one of the most brilliant episodes of the whole american war he took a leading part in the campaign which ended with the capitulation of saratoga led in person that fierce attack on the british lines on october seventh seventeen seventy seven which made the position of burgoyne a hopeless one was himself one of the first men to enter the british lines and fell severely wounded at the head of his troops no american soldier had shown a more reckless courage hardly any had displayed greater military skill or possessed to a higher degree the confidence of the army and if the wound he received near saratoga had proved fatal benedict arnold would have now ranked among the very foremost in the hagiology of american patriotism there were men however in congress who greatly disliked him and seemed to feel a peculiar pleasure in humiliating him and in february seventeen seventy seven when congress appointed five major generals arnold was not on the list though every one of the officers appointed was his junior in standing washington was extremely displeased at this marked slight shown to one who as he truly said had always distinguished himself as a judicious brave officer of great activity enterprise and perseverance the letters of arnold show how keenly he felt the wrong and he spoke seriously of throwing up his commission but was dissuaded by washington a few months later he displayed the most splendid daring in a skirmish with the english near danbury and his horse fell pierced by no less than nine bullets congress then granted him the promotion that had been hitherto withheld and presented him with a horse as a token of his conspicuous gallantry but he never regained his seniority the wound which he had received near saratoga was painful and disabling and he for a long time could only move about with assistance being incapable of taking an active part in the war washington placed him in command at philadelphia after that city had been evacuated by the english and he there fell under new and powerful influences 
his first wife had died in the summer of seventeen seventy five when he was in the midst of his northern campaign and in april seventeen seventy nine after a long courtship he married miss shippen a young lady of great beauty and attraction who belonged to one of the leading families in philadelphia and to a family of tory sympathies he loved her deeply and faithfully and there is something inexpressibly touching in the tender affection and the undeviating admiration for her husband which she retained through all the vicissitudes of his dark and troubled life he mixed much in the best society at philadelphia and although the more decided loyalists had been driven into exile the social atmosphere was still very tory and many of the best and most respected citizens were secretly sighing for the overthrow of what they regarded as the revolutionary tyranny and for a return to the settled condition of the past he kept open house plunged into expenses far greater than he could meet and like many other american officers entered into several enterprises which were not military he speculated largely he took part in various commercial undertakings he had shares in privateering expeditions but his speculations do not appear to have been successful and he was sinking rapidly into debt party spirit ran furiously at philadelphia and arnold who had nothing of the tact and self-control of washington soon made many enemies a long series of charges against him were laid before congress some of them deeply affecting his honor and amounting to little short of an imputation of swindling while others were of the most trivial description congress referred the matter to a committee which reported in favor of arnold but in spite of this report congress insisted on sending arnold on some of the charges before a court-martial the proceedings were greatly delayed and nearly a year passed between the promulgation of the charges and the final decision and during all this time the commander of the chief town in the states and one of the most distinguished generals in the american service was kept in a condition of the most painful and humiliating suspense he resented it fiercely and was little mollified by the result of the court-martial on all the graver charges he was acquitted and he was condemned only on two counts of the most petty character he had exceeded his powers in giving a passport to a vessel containing american property which was in philadelphia while that town was occupied by the english and he had on one occasion employed public wagons to convey some of his private property this the court-martial said ought not to have been done though arnold had no design of employing the wagons otherwise than at his own private expense nor of defrauding the public nor of injuring or impeding the public service for these two offences he was condemned to the great humiliation of a formal and a public reprimand washington who was obliged to execute the sentence of the court-martial did the utmost in his power to mitigate the blow and nothing could be more skilful than the language with which he made his reprimand the vehicle of a high eulogy on the services and the character of arnold footnote washington's words to arnold were these our profession is the chastest of all the shadow of a fault tarnishes our most brilliant actions the least inadvertence may cause us to lose that public favor which is so hard to be gained i reprimand you for having forgotten 
that in proportion as you had rendered yourself formidable to our enemies you should have shown moderation toward our citizens exhibit again those splendid qualities which have placed you in the rank of our most distinguished generals as far as it shall be in my power i will myself furnish you with opportunities for regaining the esteem which you have formerly enjoyed End footnote. while the sentence of the court-martial was in suspense another stroke had fallen which affected both his fortune and his reputation during his command in canada he had often acted as commissary and quartermaster much public money had passed through his hands and he had large claims upon congress his accounts were examined at great length and after great delay by the board of treasury and by a committee of congress they were found to be in much confusion which was possibly due to the hurry and turmoil of an active campaign and a large part of the claims of arnold were disallowed how far the sentence was just it is now impossible to say early in seventeen seventy nine he had sent some letters to clinton under the name of gustavus in which without revealing his name or his rank and without making any positive overtures he had expressed his dislike to the french alliance and had from time to time given the british commander pieces of authentic intelligence on the english side the correspondence was chiefly conducted under a false name by major andre the adjutant-general of the british army a young officer of singular promise and popularity after the sentence of the court-martial arnold appears at last to have fully determined to go over to the english and he was equally determined not to go over as a mere insignificant and isolated individual ambition cupidity and revenge must all be gratified at saratoga he had done much to ruin the british cause he would now undo and more than undo his work annihilate by an act of skilful treachery the only considerable army in the north restore america to peace and to british rule and make himself the monk of the revolution few great plots have more nearly succeeded though there had been murmurs about the leniency of arnold to the tories and about the admission of tories into his society his fidelity to the american cause seems to have been quite unsuspected and washington especially looked upon him with the most perfect confidence on the plea that his wound was not yet sufficiently cured arnold excused himself from serving actively with washington in the field but he asked for and easily obtained the command of west point which included all the american forts in the highlands and was the essential key of the whole american position he arrived at west point in the first week of august and lost very little time in concerting with clinton for a surrender of the post to the british clinton has been absurdly blamed for listening to these overtures but he only acted as any general of any nation would have acted and he would have deserved the gravest censure if he had neglected such an opportunity of bringing to an end the desolation and the bloodshed of the war it was necessary to send a confidential agent to arrange the details of the surrender and the terms of the bargain and this task was committed to andre arnold invited him to come within the american lines but both clinton and andre himself positively declined the proposal and clinton was determined that nothing should be done that could bring andre under the category of a spy 
a british sloop called the vulture with andre on board sailed up the hudson river to within a few miles of the american camp and washington having just left the camp on a visit to the french commander at hartford a boat with muffled oars was sent by arnold a little before midnight to the vulture to bring andre to shore the boatmen were wholly ignorant of the nature of their mission they were furnished with a passport authorizing them to pass freely with a flag of truce but they were told that it was of public interest that the expedition should be secret arnold and andre met at a lonely spot on the bank of the river the meeting was on the night of september twenty first andre wore his uniform covered by a blue greatcoat and the spot where the interview took place was outside the american lines so that if they had been arrested there andre could not have been treated otherwise than as a prisoner of war the nights however were still short and the daylight having dawned before the affair was fully arranged it became necessary either to leave it unfinished and risk the dangers of a second interview or else to seek some place of concealment arnold then induced andre to enter the american lines and take shelter in the house of a man named smith who was devoted to the american general and who had already been employed to bring andre to shore he remained there during the day and in the evening all being arranged andre prepared to return in the meantime however the vulture had been noticed with suspicion by the american soldiers and had been compelled to change her position in consequence of a cannon which was brought to bear on her the risk of carrying andre back by water was so great that smith refused to incur it and the only chance of safety was to return by land to new york a distance of about thirty miles to accomplish this object andre exchanged his british uniform for a civilian's dress he obtained from arnold a pass enabling him under the name of john anderson to traverse the american lines and he concealed in his boots unsigned papers written by arnold containing such full and detailed information as would enable clinton without difficulty to seize the fortifications of west point on the evening of the twenty second he passed the american lines in safety under the guidance of smith and slept in a house beyond them and the next day he set out alone to complete his journey it is strange to think how largely the course of modern history depended upon that solitary traveller for had andre reached new york the plot would almost certainly have succeeded and the american revolution been crushed he had not however proceeded far when he was stopped by three young men who were playing cards near the road they have been called militiamen but appear according to better accounts to have been members of a party who were engaged in cattle-stealing for their own benefit had andre produced at once his pass he would probably have been allowed to proceed in safety but in the confusion of the moment he believed that the men were british and he proclaimed himself a british officer finding his mistake he then produced his pass but his captors at once proceeded to search him and though they found little or no money they discovered the papers in his boots and although andre promised that they would obtain a large reward if they released him or took him to new york they determined to carry him to the nearest american outpost colonel jameson who commanded there recognized the handwriting of arnold but he did not realize the treachery of his chief and he sent a letter to arnold 
informing him that papers of a very compromising character had been found on a person just arrested who carried a pass signed by the general the papers were sent on to washington who was now returning from hartford arnold was expecting the arrival of washington and his house was filled with company when the letter announcing the arrest of andre arrived for a moment he is said to have changed countenance but he quickly recovered himself rose from the table and telling his guards that he had an immediate call to visit one of the forts at the opposite side of the river he ordered a horse to be at once brought to the door he called his wife upstairs and after a short interview left her in a fainting condition mounted his horse galloped at full speed down the steep descent to the river and springing into a barge ordered the boatman to row him to the middle of the stream they obeyed his command and he then told them to row swiftly to the vulture he was going there he said with a flag of truce and as he must be back in time to receive washington there was not a moment to be lost as he passed the american batteries he waved a white handkerchief as a sign of truce and in a short time and before any rumors of his treason were abroad he stood on the deck under the british flag End of section twenty five